0: Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. God's got another good word for us today, and we're glad you're here to hear it. The early bird gets the word. Amen. So, good. Let's see. Open up uh, to, yep, here it is. Uh, we're in Torah portion number 49 uh, this morning in Deuteronomy 21 through uh, Deuteronomy 25. And... Uh, today, uh, we want to talk a little bit about uh, understanding Elul and uh, the, some of the principles of spiritual warfare. It's uh, 9-11 today, and uh, 9-11 was, in a sense, uh, a war, an attack, an act of war. And uh, we as believers are in a war. There's a spiritual war, there's physical war, a war against your health, a war against your family, a war against your finances. The devil goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But as for you and me and our homes, we will not be devoured. Amen? Amen. We will be strong in the Lord and having done all to stand we will stand. We'll fight the good fight of faith. We'll live as overcomers because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And so, yeah, 911. Uh uh we uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to all the families that were traumatized and victimized by that attack and to all the first responders who rose up and uh uh did everything they could to help rescue and save people and uh may all of our first responders today be blessed of the lord And be honored and respected. And obviously for those that uh, uh, struggle with power and try to inflict harm on people that they shouldn't be doing. May they be removed. But uh, we know that the large, large, large percentage of people are just uh, trying to be a blessing. And we thank them for it. So we're uh, uh, well into the month of Elul. Today is Elul 15, Uh, and uh, as many of us have been learning, we know that this is the season of return, the season of Teshuvah in Hebrew. Say Teshuvah, so you know Hebrew, Teshuvah. And uh, in this season, it's a 40-day season between Elul 1 and the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, or as some say, Yom Kippur. Uh, and uh, this uh, the symbol of the season, these 40 days, is the shofar. Blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion, Joel uh, chapter 2 says. Sound the alarm. Uh, awaken my holy people so that they will teshuvah, return to me. Amen. Amen. And uh, so God has the trumpet sound. The shofar is blown. Why? Because it's a season of judgment. Not every judgment is a bad thing. You can be found... uh, uh, The judgment can be made in your favor. Uh, It's a season of reward. The, The trumpet is blowing to remind us To be about our Father's business, make sure that our priorities are in order. So when judgment comes, when it's time to hand out the rewards, you're in the right line. Amen. That's why it's an appointed time. Uh, It's a moedim, an appointed time, Leviticus 23 teaches. And this appointed time right now through Elul, Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles, these appointed times uh, are what Leviticus 23 says are holy convocations. But when you look up holy convocations... And study that and learn the deeper truth. They mean divine rehearsals. They're a shadow or a symbol of a bigger plan. God has a master plan of salvation and deliverance and redemption. And so the appointed times, my feasts, the feasts of the Lord, God says, these are my feasts. Yes, they're Jewish feasts, but they're also His feasts. And if they're His feasts, then you and I as Christians can certainly understand and celebrate and honor and uh, derive the benefit. Is there any benefit? Whatever that benefit is, let's understand what it is, the revelation of it, and let's uh, pray and declare and proclaim and give praise and thanksgiving that those benefits are manifesting in our lives. Amen? Praise God. So so the Lord blows the trumpet. Why? Because He doesn't want anyone to miss it. Why didn't know? Well, spiritually, do you have eyes to see and ears to hear? And uh, all of that usually is traced back to what has been written. What did God establish? What is his plan? He wrote it down. It's a pretty comprehensive plan. If all you got is John 3, 16, amen. (laughs) That's enough to get you into heaven. That's enough for eternal life. But if you're, unless you're planning on going home tonight by 5, you're going to miss the cowboy game. <laughs> and you're going to miss some wonderful things that God has ordained. And so God blows the shofar. Now, uh, Malachi the prophet speaks of Teshuvah and tells us, he actually asks a very important question as it relates to this season of the shofar. How do we teshuvah? How do we return? And the, the Lord responds with a very unusual answer. In your tithes and offerings. Huh? Why tithes and offerings? Why didn't you live a more holy life? Or, you know, one of the... Why didn't he just say Shema Israel? He said, in your tithes and offerings. It's an unusual response. Because God is teaching us how the kingdom operates. Okay? If you're tired of the enemy winning, and you're tired of experiencing failure and defeat, God is saying, if you return to me in some different ways and enact some unique principles, then the enemy's not going to win. I'm going to win in your life. And in this case, he's teaching us how the kingdom operates. It operates under the seed-sowing principle. If you want to win in life, you need to understand the seed-sowing principle. You first sow, then you reap. Amen. You first plant, then you receive the harvest. Well, I want the harvest first. <laughs> I want the reaping first. Well, uh, in the kingdom, it's just the opposite of what you want. So you're going against human nature. So uh, how does giving... In uh, act uh, this uh, this thing called returning teshuva, because Jesus said, "Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also." If Amazon's getting all your money, if the credit union's getting a seven hundred dollar a month car payment with insurance beside and you're maxed out on credit cards and all your money is going to that and then on Sunday when is it, you hear return to the lord with your ties and offerings and you got $10 i can afford 10 bucks you got $6000 a month going towards mortgages and car payments boat payments you know and all the rest and and god gets the leftovers God is saying, blow the trumpet in Zion. Let's get our priorities, our house in order. Let's start figuring out how to incorporate God's plan of sowing and reaping into our lives. And this includes your 10%. This includes the steadka offering to bless the widows and the orphans. And it includes the first fruit offering. Three times a year we come before the Lord, and we don't come empty-handed. This is Passover, Pentecost, and next month uh, the Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot. So those that hear this, this is the, the the shofar is blowing. Do we have spiritual ears to hear? If we do, then we typically will. I hear that I'm going to respond. And with that comes great reward, great blessing, the peace of God that passes all understanding, the joy of the Lord that is our strength, the blessing of the Lord that comes upon us and brings no sorrow with it. The health, the healing, the victory, the breakthrough. All of that is enacted because we have followed God's divine principle. Return to me and I'll return to you. How do I return? In tithes and offerings. Why? Because where your heart is, where, where your treasure is, your heart will follow. God is good. Amen. And He's also merciful. Which is why Elul is called the month of mercy. Praise God. God's got a whole month of mercy? Thank you, Jesus. I want more of that. Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. (laughs) Grace is when you get what you don't deserve. God's riches at Christ's expense. Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. (laughs) In other words, you get leniency. You get favor. You know that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Last I checked, there's no one walking on water. (laughs) Right? And so, in that uh, that uh, uh, situation where we've fallen short, we've missed the mark, God is saying, I'm going to blow the shofar to remind you that I'm a merciful God. Amen. And that I'm not trying to throw the book at you and put you in prison for the rest of your life. I'm trying to put a stop to all of that, sound the alarm, get your mind back on track, doing what you should be doing. So you don't get what you do deserve. (laughs) Amen? And so this is the appointed time. God doesn't want to catch us unaware. So He's blowing the trumpet in Zion. One day the trumpet, the shofar, will sound for the last time. It says in 1 Thessalonians 4.15, this is Paul speaking to the church at Thessalonica, we tell you this directly from the Lord. I got this right from God Himself, spoke to me and said, this is what's going to happen. We who are still living when the Lord returns. Excuse me. Let me, uh, here it is. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet Him ahead of those who have died. In other words, the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we will follow this is a rapture scripture. Verse 16, The Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. Amen. That's the shofar. Now, he might have an Al Hurt trumpet, but I'm pretty sure it's going to be a shofar, one of them big, long Yemenite ones. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. That's describing history in advance. That day hadn't happened yet. It could happen on the Feast of Trumpets. That's why many Bible experts connect Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets, with the rapture. Jesus came as the Passover lamb on Passover. The Holy Spirit, the teacher, came uh, on Pentecost when the day of Pentecost had fully come, which is the celebration of the giving of the word. So, each holiday has in and of itself a very powerful revelation connected to God's master plan of salvation. This is why we study these things. And so, when the rapture happens, probably on the Feast of Trumpets, those of us that are believing believers, I'm a believing believer. I believe in the things of God so much. I believe it and do it. Amen. I'm not just a hearer only. Are you just a hearer only, doer. or are you a doer of the word? Amen. Amen. We'll enter it when that. Ha- we'll enter into eternity, and we're going to be rewarded. Amen. What did we do to build the kingdom? Those that did a lot, you get in the abundance line. Those that didn't do much, you get in the wood, hay, and stubble line, and all of that's going to be flame and burnt up. You'll be left, but it'll be like a sight to behold. You, all of us over in this line, whew, I'm glad I heard the trumpet blow every year at this time so that it reminded me be a blessing. Do something to make the world a better place. And so, when the final trump sounds, we're going to be rewarded with everlasting life and a whole lot more. Now, here's the thing no one ever taught us if the Lord doesn't return during this season of trumpets, during the Feast of Trumpets this year, there's still rewards. God still has a plan to bless us exceedingly, abundantly, above anything we could ask or think. Well, can He do that at any time? Yes. But especially He wants to do it during His appointed times. And He always does it with the same measure that you measure out. It shall be measured to you again. Okay? When, when we say, God never blesses me, we're actually telling on ourselves that you must not have been a blessing. If you're not being blessed, it probably will be traced back to the seed-sowing principle. Before you reap a harvest, you first have to sow towards that harvest. Well, God never blesses me. Well, there's different reasons why the blessing gets blocked. But one of the main reasons is if you sow a little, you reap a little. Amen. Amen. That's 2 Corinthians 9. That's Bible teaching, right? So, but if you are doing your part, how many of you are doing your part? Say amen real loud for the people on on the uh, podcast and watching by Zoom. (laughs) You have every right then to expect a blessing. We need to generate in our spirit that feeling of expectation. The world says, don't get your hopes up. God says, get your hopes up. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Meaning your faith needs some hope, some positive expectation. Go Carly Simon on me. Anticipation. Anticipate something good. Shed the woe-is-me attitude. God doesn't respond to pity parties. The devil likes to join that party. Misery loves company, and the devil is the author of misery. So don't help him out. Right? And so, this is the wisdom of God hidden in the biblical holidays. And as a result of seeing that, having eyes to see that, all of a sudden, you're now equipped to enter into a new aspect of blessing, a new level of blessing. Amen? Amen. Now, it's amazing that this teaching just dovetails with today's Torah study. Uh, And today's study begins... With, and I'll read it from the Hebrew Bible in Deuteronomy twenty-one, ten. When you go out to war on your enemies, God will place him in your hand. Amen. So here's something that's. Uh, Interesting that we don't see in Christian teaching, but we, Jewish teaching understands this, that uh, the text changes from plural to singular. And it uses the plural enemies, and then in the second half of the verse, it turns it into a singular term. And this is a, a mystery. But you and I are going to understand a, a big part of that today. Amen. Because it's right here where the, uh, the sages, the great rabbis throughout Jewish history, teach on spiritual warfare. Amen. Okay? You, among other things, are in a battle over the blessing. Right? If if there was no battle, then all of us would just be walking in so much blessing. We'd you know, every need met, so great, so wonderful, you know. But look, how many of you know there's still a fight to enter into the blessing? The devil just doesn't roll over and play dead. And Society, secular society, the antichrist type society, many who have uh, uh, elevated themselves into positions of leadership where they're controlling uh, a, a great deal of the blessing. I mean, you, you can shut off someone's power. That's what they were doing. That people had signed a contract and didn't read the fine print, giving the uh, uh, the power company the ability to come into their home and re- re- uh, shut down their thermostat during the uh, uh, the power shortage and the heat wave in California. I didn't know I did that. Well, so all of a sudden you can see you're in a, a... Just to have energy. What happened to a civil advanced society where we can't even supply energy to our homes? Oh my gosh. Who's running this thing? The Antichrist crowd. The I don't care about the Bible crowd. I wouldn't vote for those people. Amen. Breaking news, stop voting for those people. And those of you that are fleeing that policy, don't come to Texas and vote for it. <laughs> Please don't do that. So, but the takeaway from plural to singular, the enemies, we have found him. Okay, From plural to singular. It has everything to do with the old adage, I have met the enemy and he is us. This is a big key to spiritual warfare. Yes, there's the devil, powers and principalities, pulling down government strongholds, uh, ruling elite strongholds, this, that, and the other thing. But the first level of spiritual warfare that God is calling us to fight is the spiritual warfare within our own soul. According to uh, the founder of Hasidic Judaism... He says, when you go forth into battle, refers to the battle a person has with their evil inclinations. He says, no Jew has a greater, more dangerous enemy than his or hers own urge to do what is wrong. So... One rabbi wrote uh, this beginning of this Torah that when you go out to war is a different way of saying when you were born. You were born into a fight. Every generation has its own serpent from the Garden of Eden. Hath God said... And so life is a battle of deciding, yes, God said, and I'm going to do what God said, versus, "Eh, maybe God didn't say that after all. Let me go my own way. Let me do what's right in my own eyes. We see a lot of that going on in our American society, and really in Western society. It's an all-out spiritual warfare assault against Bible values. And I believe it's the devil trying to overturn Genesis 1. I've made man in my image. Right? So, this is symbolic of man's life on earth. This spiritual warfare. But it's a good fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, studying the Word of God, doing what Reinhard Bonnke said, applying the Word of God like soap, because it only works when it's applied. Amen. And this is why today... In this study, God begins to focus on moral and ethical standards. Because He's trying to tell Israel as they're about ready to go into the promised land, and you still have some promised land to possess. So this applies to you and me. We're not possessing every promise of God in its entirety, but we're on our way! We're fighting to get there. And every devil that's blocking our blessing, we bind and rebuke and cast away in the name and by the blood and according to the authority of the Word of God. But all of that's not based on political power or military power, but on spiritual power. It's not by might. It's not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. So God is reminding Israel, any old form of government won't do. Any old leader won't do. If somebody feels like It's like a brilliant idea to have babies aborted the day before they could be born. That is like barbaric just thinking about it that way. There were so many other choices that could have been presented to people along the way, going all the way back before conception, but we've watered it down We've mocked Bible values, and now we're at the point where some are saying, even 30 days after. Who would be so barbaric to propose that as health care? Not very, that's not health care to the baby. (laughs) Right? So, not any form of government and any form of leadership will do. Right? Think about Israel. There up until Israel, there had been no other godly government in human history. And following Israel, the same could be true until America came along. No other nation, including Egypt and Persia and Babylon, had ever ruled with standards of uh, morality. And certainly, whatever laws were out there didn't apply to me. I'm in charge. I'm the higher authority. (laughs) I make the rules for you, but not for me. For thee, but not for me. Anybody see that kind of replaying itself nowadays? And God is saying, I'm going to create a society built on justice, and compassion. I'm going to legislate morality. And the weaker, the more vulnerable are going to have a part in society. There's going to be fairness. All these different things. Amen? But rulers don't like this. Because they believe they're the highest authority. And they hate the idea of faith-based government. I want a separation of all of that. Why? So I can do whatever I want to do and enrich myself and make laws for you that put you under my feet. Huh? And I'm voting for that? We're electing people that think that way? Psalm 11 verse 3 teaches when the foundations of law and order in society are destroyed what can the righteous do okay so there's a what why should christians engage in politics and in electing leaders because if you elect leaders that will destroy the foundations of biblical law and order what are you left with social chaos Your kids don't belong to you. They belong to me. I'm the government. They just said that stuff. You admitted that? You said that out loud? Yeah. They're emboldened now. They're saying everything out loud. Proverbs 14.34 teaches, Righteousness makes a nation great, but sinfulness brings disgrace. Sinfulness. So we're the prudes for saying, we can't have anything goes. There can't be situational ethics. Well, I felt like that's what it should be, so it's right for me, and it's not. History shows that one of the biggest culprits in all of this, in disrupting the righteous foundations, was Rome. Rome, the Roman Empire. I know we've watched the movies and you know we think it's all romantic. There's Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor or Russell Crowe or King Art, whoever, you know, and we're thinking, Oh, isn't that so cool and oh boy, Hollywood defined it so well. (laughs) Or did they? Following the ascension of Jesus. They rejected Jerusalem's way of serving the Lord. Rome did. You ever seen that uh, show with uh, Ty, uh, what's his name, Pennington, Extreme Makeover? That happened once Jesus ascended. And suddenly all the Gentiles began to outnumber the Jews and everything shifted from Jerusalem to Rome. And Rome at that point was the Roman Empire with Roman legions. They destroyed nations and took slaves of nations around. They had a huge, huge empire for a thousand years. And there's no way we're going to submit ourselves to this tiny little insignificant nation called Israel and all their leaders are so short. They ignored Paul's warning to the Romans in Romans 11. Don't you begin to boast how great you are, almighty Rome. You don't support Israel. Israel supports you, the Bible says. You're the wild branches that have been grafted into the original tree. But, you know, Rome didn't listen, so they cut us off from our Jewish roots. And they cut us off from understanding a lot of the divine principles that God wanted people to abide by. So, you can't call it legalism. Well, God gave all of these codes of ethics, these standards of morality in Deuteronomy... And throughout the Torah, as some kind of, he was on some kind of legalistic trip and had to send Jesus to undo all that craziness. No, God's laws are not crazy. God's laws are wisdom, a pathway to life and blessing. Amen. And he needed a society who would embrace. His principles, His guidelines, His laws and commandments, so that they would understand what's right and wrong. They would understand what's good and bad. He doesn't want us operating in spiritual blindness, so He legislates morality so everyone knows this is how you do it. And each nation and each individual has to choose whether they're going to follow that way of life or not. And it begins with the fundamental decision of making the Word of God the supreme authority. And this is where spiritual warfare comes in, because that enemy within us, that Inclination to always want to defer to the flesh. The works of the flesh. That's the conflict. That's the war. And that's why we have the Holy Ghost and power and the Word of God and church services and all these different things in God's infrastructure to build us up. To give us the eyes to see, the courage to live it out. Amen? And that's where the warfare comes in. Because the flesh doesn't want to hear none of that. It's not just the Antichrist crowd. It's, the fle- it's that thing that's working in us since the time that Adam said, No, Lord! So God equips us and trains us. And in this case, there's like 70 different divine principles that establish a social order. This is how God's society is going to run. Amen. And to a large extent, it has to do with the individual. Amen. How are you going to run your life, Scott Sigmund? That doesn't mean everybody's perfect, but it means we're trying to do our best. We're trying to utilize the tools God gives us to stay on the pathway. Because there's a reward and a blessing for it. Amen. Amen? And so this defines what it means to be a citizen of heaven. Okay? Standards of citizenship. A social contract between God and man. If we drift away or let our leaders take us away from all of that and the foundations get destroyed, we are in big trouble. So God begins to teach. And, you know, what's interesting to me is the first thing God mentions is women's rights. Unheard of in the then known world. Probably still unheard of today in some cases, women's rights. But God says, I want to establish guidelines on making sure women are respected and honored, especially during wartime. Amen. So that's, that's in here. Following that isn't legalism, it's wisdom. Amen. Right? Then there's inheritance rights. Ever hear about court battles where people are fighting over inheritance? The Torah addresses a lot of that today on what's right and what's wrong. Instructions on how to handle rebellious children. There's instructions for funerals and preserving the dignity of the dead. There's instructions on what to do when you find a lost object. And it's not finders, keepers, losers, weepers. (laughs) Torah. Is that legalism? If you lost your wallet, you want someone to return it. Please, Lord, send the angels of God and a righteous person to find my wallet and bring it back to me with nothing missing, nothing broken. That's Torah. Oh, no, that's legalism. You try to follow that, you're just involved in legalistic bondage. Oh, okay, until you lose your wallet. (laughs) Then you, well, my purse is missing. (laughs) Okay, then you want the Torah to work. (laughs) It's the need to be kind to animals. I was just watching uh, one of these old westerns. Before they had people that cared about, this guy's going down this cliff on a horse and the horse just tumbling down. I'm thinking, oh dear Lord, why are you putting that horse through that? Please be kind to that horse. God taught that principle in the Torah. Then there's OSHA standards. You know what OSHA standards are, standard operating procedure to make sure workers and people don't get hurt, because when you're on the roller coaster, you want to make sure that someone cared that there were standard operating procedures that protects my safety while I'm 200 feet in the air. (laughs) Of course, I don't do roller coasters. And in this case, it build a fence around your roof. They had rooftop patios, but they built the tour build a fence around it so people won't fall off and hurt themselves. Care about that kind of stuff, will you, society? <clears throat> then he gets into marriage stuff. Oh, he's gone to meddling now, talking about divorce stuff, judicial procedures. Yeah, and He lays out penalties for adultery and rape and the seduction of innocent kids. Anybody see what's going on right now with... The people in charge are creating a society where seducing innocent kids with all of this crazy gender ideology and pedophilia ideology and who wants to bring all that? Well, we better bring it up because it's happening and they're stealing the innocence of our kids. And God says, "Uh uh-uh. A godly biblical society does not allow for these things. Oh, that's legalism. No, it's not. That's just good old-fashioned godly common sense. God even deals with cross-dressing. Right? God gets into this gender debate. 3400 years ago and says men don't dress like women we don't need drag queens in the, our society teaching our kids uh how wonderful it is and yet why would a school why would school systems around our nation think that taking kids that you know third graders to a drag queen show, let's go to the library kid we've got a drag queenly uh Man, who cares? It's wonderful. Yeah. So God says, we're going to draw some distinctions. We're going to impose some standards. And for the church to sit around and say this is legalism, whose side are you fighting for? (laughs) Whose side are you fighting for? And it goes on. There's 70 different... Uh, things that, and it's not legalism. It's not Israel trying to earn their salvation. They just want to apply God's wisdom and knowledge so that their society runs decently and in an order, and they have the blessing of God on their lives. Because the alternative, as we see, becomes Sodom and Gomorrah. How do you like that? <laughs> So the real battle then is within us. What kind of society do you want? Do you want the society defined by the Antichrist crowd? Well, stop voting for it that no one here, of course. Stop voting for the Antichrist crowd. (laughs) I want spirit-led people if we can get them. I want people that will follow the Bible and accept the things of God as the highest authority. And the sound of the shofar is the sound of God calling out to society, return to me! Fight the fight of faith using my principles! Embed them in your family, embed them in your government so that you can have a quality life. What's wrong with that? That's not legalism, that's wisdom, that's Torah, that's Bible, and that's how we win the battle of spiritual warfare. If you agree with that, give the Lord a big hand clap. Thanks for joining us by Zoom. Thanks for listening on the podcast. God bless you guys.